Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. A guy was driving across the country and he was stopping at the same filling station because he had a credit card with that filling station. whatever brand it was. And so on the sign outside the station, it said, as you travel, ask us. The guy had a burning question. He wanted to know the answer to. And so he went into every station as he used his credit card. It was before the days of the credit card in the pump. And he would ask the question, what is the purpose of life? And most of the time, The managers would say, I don't know. One time, the manager said, it's not in the manual. Another time, the guy just smiled and looked at him leeringly. But the question of this series is, what is the purpose of my life? And if you want to take your relationships a little bit further in depth, you might ask those people around you, what do you think the purpose is of your life? Now, to practice that, I didn't do this in first service this morning, so you're going to be my guinea pigs today. Look at the person to the right of you and ask them the question, what is the purpose of your life? Let's do that. One, two, three. What is the purpose of your life? To the right. To the left of you. Look at the person to the left of you. What is the purpose of your life? Now, gentlemen, if your wife asks you that, the right answer would be what? To make her happy or to serve you, honey. (laughs) If you're not married, (laughs) you're safe. Well, that came out wrong, didn't it? <laughs> Does save your emails. I know that when I make mistake, mistakes. You were planned for God's purpose. You were planned for God's pleasure. In Revelations chapter 4, verse 11b, if you, if you look in your bulletin, it says Revelations chapter 4, verse 12. Guess what? I was just testing you. There's no Revelations 4.12. 11b says this, you, God, created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and we are created. We were created for God's pleasure. God wasn't, he's not in existence for our pleasure, but we were created for his pleasure. And because he loves us so much, by the way, that was a perfect song for communion today, wasn't it? It reminds us of who we are and what Jesus did for us and how much God loves us. And and if we really, really get that, then we will understand that God wants you to love him back. That's what we were created for, to love God back. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 38 says says this. and, And Jesus says this, and you and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great 
and the first commandment, to love God. And worship is this. Worship is knowing and loving God back. And so if you get how much God loves you, then it's just a a natural response to love God back. Now this, we are in a Purpose Driven Life series, What on Earth Am I Created For? This is by Rick Warren. Some of you did this 20 years ago. But as we regather as a church and reunite after what we've been through and what we're going through right now, God calls us back to, to five main purposes of life. And the first purpose that we were created for in life is to worship God. The fir- my first purpose is to worship God. Romans 12.1 says it this way. Paul writes this to the Romans. He says, because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourselves as living sacrifice to God dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. We are called to worship God, to give our lives as a living sacrifice. So first, worship is my response to God's love. The answer to the question, what is worship? It is my response to love love God. And two, worship is giving back to God his love that he has for us. Mark 12.30, Jesus says this. He says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, I never thought about it this way, but I read an article this week, so we're going to kind of do a little comparison. God wants me to love him three ways. First of all, God wants me to love him thoughtfully, that we have a reasonable faith. And I was thinking about the Wizard of Oz. I read this article about the Wizard of Oz. Now, who needed more intelligence in the Wizard of Oz? The Scarecrow. So this is kind of the Scarecrow part of of loving God thoughtfully with all of our mind. And second, God wants me to love him passionately. And who, who was the one that didn't have the heart in the whiz? It was the tin man, right? Yeah. To love him emotionally. Now, we're kind of a quiet worship group. If I get an amen or a praise the Lord, wow, that's something. If somebody would stand up and wave their hands and worship, that's something. In fact, sometimes some of you look at them and say, what is wrong with them? Are they over-medicated today? (laughs) But we are called to worship with all of our emotion passionately, with all of our hearts. And third, God wants me to love him practically in the day-to-day mundane things as we, we love those around us, our family and our friends and our neighbors, our co-workers. The day-to-day living, God wants to have us show his worth in worship to him. Worshiping God is, is our first purpose. So how do we do that? How do we worship God as our first purpose in life? First, worship is focusing my attention on God. It's focusing my attention on God. Now, I know, 
I know that if you have a cell phone in worship right now, it's a temptation. It may even be calling your name. In fact, this, this might be, it may not be, but it might be the longest time that you go without looking at your cell phone. And I see families eat together and all of them holding a cell phone in their hand. Now, what's the point of eating together if everybody's looking at their phone and not connecting with one another? And, and at this point in time, with this one hour a week, we are showing God's worth in one way. But worship, we'll get to this in a minute, is really more than that. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 3, says it this way. The psalm writer writes, he says, You have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I am resting or when I am working. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go. That's how well God knows you. Now, worship is... Focusing my attention on God. And there are two things that distract our attention from God. The first one is this. That we're self-centered by nature. We're self-centered by nature. I was in Menards, the South Inn, on Friday night. I was not a happy camper. In fact, I was a grumpy grumbler. And it was late. It was after a hard work day physically. I'd been... I mean, I was... To the max. And, and I was experiencing, this is the first time I ever saw this sign. It's probably been there the whole time. Self-serve lumberyard. Okay. I pull into one of their barns, and I'm going to load in some three-quarter inch OSB, four-by-eight sheets. They're pretty heavy. I have this guy in another pickup trip, a nicer pickup trip than mine, which you don't have to do very much to have a nicer pickup truck than mine, by the way. So I overshoot the, the, where this OSB, the pile of, uh, of lumber that I'm going to pick up, and he parks right up against me. I mean, right to my bumper. And I'm taking a breath, trying to find inner peace, saying a little prayer, trying to keep it under control. So then, so I am walking past his truck to pick these three-quarter inch pieces of lumber or of OSB, which weigh probably, I don't know, 40, 50 pounds, and I'm off balance, and I'm an old man. I'm an old grumpy man at this moment. I'm picking them up and lifting them and hauling them and sliding them into my truck, and this guy's just watching. Okay, so then he backs up and he pulls around me, and he gets right on my front bumper, and... I'm not thinking happy thoughts. And so I back up back to my, uh, my pile, and then I think, you know, I'm going to help this guy out. <laughs> and I don't give him a piece of my mind. I don't. I, I'm, I'm uh, under self-control, but I'm not happy. And so I said, hey, let me help you. He had 15 sheets of 716 OSB, which is exactly half of what I was lifting, and I was helping him. So we get him all loaded, and he says, he looks at me and says, hey, you need some help? And all I said was, no, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I loaded it myself. (laughs) I'm not doing that for a good job. I'm, I'm making the point 
that, dude, if you have to ask me if I need help, but I'm lifting twice as much as you are by your by myself, and and I'm helping you out. That's how self-centered you are. Now, some of you are saying, well, Chris, you're being pretty self-centered because you're telling this illustration and you're taking a long time. (laughs) And you're exactly right, because that's how self-centered I am. Folks, we are self-centered by nature, every one of us. When we think about being in the image of Jesus Christ, we will never attain that. That's an unattainable goal, because if we think we actually can do that, we are self-deceived and self-centered. We need God's grace, every one of us. We are saved by grace, not what we've done. Second, we live in a self-centered culture. If we're self-centered people, we live in a self-centered culture. That's painfully obvious. You, you watch the news and you can see it all the time. The entitlement and, and this perspective and that perspective. And politically, we're so divided. I don't know how anything gets done, really. I mean, when we turn a light switch on in our homes every day, it's an amazing event. Because that mean, means people have cooperated together to deliver that energy to our home. It's a challenge today. Romans 8, 7 says it this way, Focusing on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about self than God. That's what worship does. It gives us the, the hope of putting our attention outside ourselves into a, a spiritual, eternal realm. Romans 12, 2 says it this way. Paul says this. He says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. So how do I focus my attention on God? First, establish a daily time with God. For me, it's setting the tone in the morning. That Friday morning, I had set the tone. Things weren't going well from the very beginning. And I had to stop and just say, okay, Lord, I know this is going to be a challenging day. I, I know there's some things on my plate that I've got to do. And, and set my heart there first with him. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus tells us this way. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Doesn't mean the day is going to go easier, but your heart, your mind, your perspective can be set by God for that day. And second, develop a constant conversation with God. I have these talks with God, and I hope you have these talks as you're going about your day, and that he is under your breath saying, Father, you're you're having this conversation with a loving Father, the creator of the universe, and saying, God, here's where I need your help. Psalms 105, verse 4 says this Worship him continually. Isaiah 26, 3 was my verse when I had to pick a verse for the year, and, and I had a word for the year. It was shalom. And, 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 and the Isaiah says this He says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. It matters where we focus our attention. Second, worship is expressing my affection 
to God. It's expressing who he is and how much we, I love him. And we love him because he first loved us. He loved you even before you were born. He knew you even before you were born. Hosea 6.6, not my favorite book in the Bible, but, but Hosea says this, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. That's what God desires, our steadfast love. The most important thing you can know in life is that God loves you. And the most important thing you can do in life is to love him back. Moses writes this in Exodus 33:14 and he says this and this kind of is kind of a, a passage where you really got to understand the word. It says for you shall worship no other god for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god. You see that term jealous really doesn't tell us enough. What this word really has a connotation of is a passionate love that is jealous. That God, even in the Old Testament, loved his children so much that he had a passionate jealousy, like a husband does for his wife or wife for her husband, that their sole attention should be on them and their commitment should be on them. He is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. So how do we, how do I, how do you express your love to God? And the main thing is through gratitude, by being grateful. Now this morning, I'm grateful that I'm physically well. I am grateful that we're in an air-conditioned room. I am grateful that you are here present in worship with us together. I am grateful that the sun's going to shine and we have electricity and we have technology and our cars got us to here and to there safely. Will they there safely? There's all kinds of things to be grateful for. And I didn't even talk about our relationships and our family and our friends and all of those things. The things that God has done for us. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And recognizing that the Creator loves us so much. And in response, Romans 6.13, Paul writes, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And really what Paul is saying here is that you need to give yourself completely to God since you've been given new life. And for some of us, we've been saved, we've been delivered, we, we have received so many blessings from God, but we need to be called back to that time where we made that confession of faith and we fell in love with God. We need to be reminded of that and that passion we have. But you know what holds us back from Loving and giving our lives totally, completely, 100% to God. And that's fear. I think sometimes as parents, our kids are afraid of the boundaries that we set that are for their own good. They fear that we're taking away from them 
their life and their fun and their joy. And really all we're doing is protecting them. And that's what God does for us. He loves us so much that he wants the best for us. Third, worship is not only about our attention or our affection, but it's also using our abilities, my abilities, for God. Colossians 3.23 says it this way. It says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. Folks, I... I just read this this last week. About 50% of the people do exceedingly more than what is expected at their jobs. The other 50% don't even do the, the minimum. They just try to get by. What that verse tells me is that we do exceedingly more than what is expected because we are serving God. And when we do that, whatever field or occupation that we work in, it will set you apart through your attitude, through your productivity, through the quality of your service and the quantity of of your service, and you will honor God. And you will be set apart. But, But far too often... We compartmentalize God and our worship to our Bible studies, to our worship in church, to our life group or our adult Bible fellowship class, and it doesn't pervade the rest of our life. Because God's goal is that your work can be turned into worship, and that whatever you do, you do as unto the Lord, to his glory. You see, God doesn't want worship just to be a church thing. He wants it to be your whole life to worship God with your life. Because we only have this one life. And he's given it to us. And we serve him through it. Romans 12.1 in the message, if you're in English Standard Version or any other version, I know that I'm creating a, a, a life drama for you by quoting the message. But I really like the message in this moment. Bible. It says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That your whole life is worship. And real worship is a lifestyle. It's not something we do a few hours a week. It's all the time, every day. And we've got to realize that everybody worships something. It may be your work. A lot of people worship their work, work at their play, and play at their worship. And that's exactly wrong. You need to worship God completely and totally. Psalm 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. When we worship God, he delights in every aspect, every moment, every detail of your life. Old missionary story, and I'm going to wrap it up with this if you're, if you're keeping time on me today. There was a missionary. He was told he was going to the Eastern Bloc country. It could have been Ukraine, Georgia. It could have been uh, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia. He was preparing, and he was told, and he was kind of a big guy, and he liked snacks. And so... He went down the snack aisle, maybe your Kroger's, your Walmart, something like that. And he prayed to God, and, and he realized, hey, they didn't have this kind of food 
in these Eastern Bloc countries. And so he prayed to God, God, what should I get for snacks? Kind of an interesting prayer. Never prayed that prayer. More, normally when I'm in the snack aisle, I'm praying God to deliver me from the snack aisle so that I don't buy what I shouldn't have. But not this guy. So he was going down the aisle and he thought, hmm, those Reese's cups looks good. Hmm, that tapioca pudding looks good. In fact, in the first service I said, what, tapioca? Sort of like karaoke? Something like that. And he picked up some canned fruit because he thought that might be good and some mandarin oranges in canned can goods. So he went... He, he went to this Eastern Bloc country, and he was there, and he was just there to encourage the missionaries. And so he thought, eh, well, let's see what happens. And he was just, you know, he'd ask the Lord. And so he was sitting with his family, and they didn't have access to snacks, and he felt a little selfish, even though he wanted to kind of keep the, keep the snacks, right? And he said to the kids, he said, hey... Uh, What's your favorite snack? What, what kind of candy do you like? You know what they said? Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. He thought that was a miracle. Probably was. And then he looked at the dad and he said, What's your favorite snack? And uh, the dad looked at him and he said, You know, you won't believe this, but I love tapioca pudding. Who loves tapioca pudding? So he got that snack pack out of his backpack and gave it to him. And he thought, you know, that's a miracle. But being a missionary and and encouraging missionaries, he said, I'll go go for the third strike. This won't happen. So he looked at the mom. Not that mom should have been treated last, but, but he looks at the mom and, and he says, okay, how about you? And she says, I'm really craving some fruit. So he pulled out the can of, uh, what do you call that, that fruit, that fruit cocktail and that mandarin chicken, or mandarin chicken, <laughs> mandarin oranges. And he gives it to her. And he just praised God for what God had done in that moment. Now, folks, God is about the details of your life. And, and we are going through. I, I, I've had, I mean, I, I've just had some challenges over the last few years that have just been very difficult. And ministry has just been super hard uh, at different times. We're going through a hard, hard spot culturally. We're going through a hard spot economically. And uh, you probably are right there with me and with all of us together. But we've got to live by faith and not by sight. And we have to live on purpose that it's all about him and not about us. That worship is expressing our affection and our attention and our abilities on God. And you know what? He's going to take care of the details. If he can do it with uh, Reese's Cups and... uh, tapioca pudding and uh, canned fruit. He can do it in our lives, can't he? Amen. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we are so grateful for what you do. And Father, we know the challenges in our lives that require faith and trust in you. 
Father, we're reminded that you are Father. And nothing passes through you that comes to us that doesn't have a purpose and a meaning and a significance for our lives. And Father, we just throw ourselves at your mercy and before you in worship that our whole being would be about you and not about ourselves. And Father, Father, I just pray that you would indwell us with your Holy Spirit in such a way that others would know that there's a God in the universe and he cares about each and every one of us and wants to have a relationship with him. Father, if, if we have to raise our faith and our trust in you, so be it. Because you are real and you are for us. Father, if we need to put our faith and trust in you for the first time, I pray, Father, that every person would do that and that we would live our lives in worship for you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning? heart open wide from the depths from the heights I will bring a sacrifice with these hands with these hands lifted high hear my song hear my cry I will bring a sacrifice I will bring a sacrifice. I'm laying down, I'm not my own. I belong to you alone. Lay me down, lay me down. And on my heart, this much is true. There's no life of joy to say, your will, your way, it will be my joy to say.
your will, your way, it will be my joy to say. Your will, your way, always. It will be my joy to say. Your will, your way, it will be my joy to say. Your will, your way, it will be my joy to say. Your will, your way, always. I lay me down, I'm not my own. I belong to may be seated for just a minute. So I would gather to say if we went outside of here, most people would agree um, that something is broken. I mean, we may not all necessarily agree on exactly what is broken, but we are living in a broken world, and most people will probably agree with that sentiment. You know, like Chris alluded to in his sermon, you know, things have been really tough recently economically Um, you know inflation is through the pretty high right now the cost of everything is pretty high Um, you know the one thing about like the church and God's work is is you know like with the business you know what does the business do when they their costs go up you know they pass that on to the consumer that through raising prices or maybe they have some kind of a sale in order to get people in the door to maybe create some more revenue but but as the church, we are totally reliant upon the people and their giving. Um, you know, this past year we budgeted a little over fourteen thousand, like fourteen thousand four hundred, that we needed each week. Um, and up until the end of last month, I think we were averaging about twelve thousand seven hundred dollars. So we're about fifteen seventeen hundred dollars below budget on our giving. We'll probably finish out the year about seventy thousand um, dollars below what we had budgeted for the year. And so when it comes to the, the church staff, the, the ministers, the, you know, the maintenance people, they all do a great job as far as cutting costs, um, finding ways to save money, finding ways if you know, we don't necessarily need it, they're not purchasing it, so we're not you know, like hurting financially by any means. But, um, <clears throat> you know, if you talk to people, they're going to give you different things of what, what the problem is, you know, and our job is to be neutral. You know, God's mission is for us to preach the gospel. You know, He's the only answer to a broken world. So, and unfortunately, that takes money. 
You know, it takes money to pay the light bills. It takes money to pay the preachers. It takes money to, you know, buy the toilet paper when, you know, you have to go to the bathroom here. I mean, all those things take money. You know, so preaching the gospel takes money. And, and unfortunately, that relies upon you guys and your uh, giving. So I know things are tough, but if you can remember, um, you know, the church and God's mission in your giving, um, you know, He will definitely bless us if we are faithful to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before You now. We just um, thank You for all that You do for us. Um, You know, You talk about how You take care of the birds in the air and You make sure that their needs are met. But yet we are Your masterpiece. We are the ones that were created in Your image. You set us apart to be different from everybody else. So I know that You look out for us more than uh, we probably realize. And so um, we just pray that uh, as these times are tough, that you know we're able to continue to do the work that you set us here for. Um, you know, you sent us here to proclaim the gospel. Um, we are living in a broken world, a world that the answer to their problems is your son. And um, we need to Share that with everybody. And so um, as we give here this morning, you know, we just pray for those giving here this morning that that you would bless them, that um, they would definitely see that um, you are looking out for them and you want to give back more than they're giving. And just pray for the, the leaders and the, the staff as we use these funds. Pray that we use them in a way that, um, you know, is along with your mission, that we are making sure that we are preaching the gospel to Brazil, Indiana, to Clay County, and to all the surrounding areas, as well as around the world through the missionaries we support. um, We just thank you for your son. We just thank you for what he did for us on the cross. And it's because of him uh, we can come to you this morning and ask these things. And we just pray that in his name. Amen. If you're feeling lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut, we've got just the thing to deal your pickle. Country Day's just around the bend. In fact, it'll be here right quick on October 23rd. There'll be a chili cook-off at 6 p.m. with all the fixings in the Family Life Center. We're asking you to bring a side, and while you're at it, bring your best chili to be judged. After that, we'll move over to Yonder Sanctuary for the Country Day performance around 7 o'clock. If and you'd like to join in the performance for Country Day, contact Dan here at the church or you can email him. You know, I used to have trouble with my internet connection, so I moved my router out to the barn. Now I have stable Wi-Fi. See why we let him make all the announcements. It's just more fun that way. Hey, everybody, let's go ahead and stand up together. All right. It's been a wonderful day. It's been a lot of fun, but the church is now leaving the building to do what? guide people home, leading them to a loving father, a caring family, and a life-changing faith. And the reason we do that is because we believe the Bible, we love others, we seek God first, and we share Christ. Very good. Let's go ahead and sing, everybody, to our only king, and then we'll be dismissed for the day. Go and grow closer to him this week. You are the only 
worthy Lord, you King forever, forevermore. You are victorious, you are the only King forever. Almighty God, you lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. Have a blessed week, everybody.